may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny It's been two and a half weeks and an international break since our last depressing podcast after we lost to Bristol But we're back with a vengeance this week after we beat Nottingham Forest Scabby, scabby Nottingham. Ben Price, how are you? How have your two and a half weeks been without a pod? I've missed you boys. Um, the chat's been quiet. It's not a lot's gone on, has it? It's been... Time apart makes the heart grow fonder, I should say that. No, I said... The international break was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Because obviously we beat Belarus. That was nice. Kiefer Moore wasn't playing. Um, and then we, we lost to Estonia. So, oh, drew with Estonia, sorry. So that even kind of ended on a damp squib as well, didn't it, Ben? Yeah, and there was the panic of just everyone falling out of the team. Like every yeah. hour, people leaving. That sort of just added to just the worry and the depression after the Bristol game. But it's all all right now. Wasn't so bad for you though, was it, Tom Phillips? As you went to the Estonia game, so you got to see a bit of the Welsh football. I wish I hadn't. Um, <laughs> but I guess no. for a nil-nil. Yeah, and like I just felt inevitable. But it's weird now having Cardiff to kind of cheer me up after a Wales disappointment, and not the other way round. It's felt like it's been the other way around for a long time. So that's a welcome break, I suppose. Like the coronavirus that's running through my house, it's a novel feeling, isn't it? <laughs> I can't, I don't know. You could, I can't make that comparison. That's, they call it the novel cor- coronavirus, don't they? Novel COVID. Yeah, fair. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I'm waiting on a PCR test. Hopefully I haven't got it. Pray for Ben. Um, so moving swiftly on from the international break to matters at the city ground yesterday. Uh, obviously Cardiff... Came from behind, did a, a 2-1 victory against Nottingham Forest. Um, I think that's seven games in a row we've won at the City Ground. Um, always a happy hunting ground for us. And obviously we we, we, we we did the dirty over Chris Hewton, who is sitting rock bottom with Nottingham Forest, Ben. Um, what, is, what, was your, what was your take on the game? I, I've written down here that it was a, a pretty drab first half. I think it was a pretty drab game other than after like the, the inclusion of Colwell and Kiefer. Um, other than those two, I thought it was... A pretty poor game. There wasn't a lot of quality there throughout both sides. Mark Harris worked hard, played well, but other than that, it just yeah, I wasn't too impressed. Sort of, <laughs> we feel like a lot of times the performance of the last couple of years are papered over cracks, and I felt like this was the most obvious paper over crack sort of performance for me. It was um, yeah, I was a bit worried about it. It was just so uninspiring and just drab. What did you pinpoint in that first half that was the issue? I think I've you know I, I just felt like we were completely disjointed. There was no joined up passing. We just hoofed the ball forward and relied on those long balls. But was there any other issues that you spotted? No, it was exactly that. I just felt the game plan was just so basic and just, there was no creativity. There was no flair. There was no thought. And I'm not expecting like ticky tacker amazing passing from Mick McCarthy. I know what we're getting with Mick, but even for sort of what's going on with McCarthy, I felt it was just, awful football I'm, I'm not like I said I don't want to do the whole Swansea Swans alone thing but it would just look so easy to play against a forest we just offered nothing it was crap do you agree with that Tom I don't know whether it's because I was out of the house or I was a couple of blue moons deep by this point but I was quite enjoying the first half for the first 20 minutes it was kind of four chances each I think it was I remember it flashing up on the screen I thought yes the quality wasn't great but it was relatively exciting I thought at the start it did dip off before half time, but I think we've had a, games have been a lot worse. I think because it's been so bad in certain games with Mick, I didn't find this one as bad. But you know, was I, it, I, we, 
Was it exciting because it was ragged though? Because I just felt yes. like it was so all over the place from both sides, but we in particular looked particularly ragged. Like the passes weren't making it. We looked a bit all over the place. And it, it, it can be exciting, but bad at the same time, right? 100%. It was like end to end, but with very little quality at either at the end. It was just the ball was going back and forth. You didn't really know what was going on. And yeah, in the end, we just kind of benefited from the kind of openness. You could tell we were a squad that were depleted from a few, you know, late withdrawals and things like that. And like you said, it did look disjointed because I think whatever game plan we had kind of went out the window. But then, as I'm sure we'll go on to open opportunities for other players. But yeah, you know, you can't argue with the result, but yeah, I probably agree it wasn't the, the best quality game we'll ever watch. We can talk about, we can talk about the team selection because obviously it was brilliant to see so many youth players involved. But Ben... Um... It was inevitable when Forrest scored. It felt like um, it didn't feel like it was coming, but at the same time, it felt like yeah. If we, if anyone was going to score in that half, it was going to be Forrest. Um, it was a pretty poor goal to concede. It cuts open quite easily. Who who do you pin the blame on? I've seen a few people blaming Mars. I've seen a few people blaming Pack. Um, is there one person to blame for you, or was it a team effort that they failed? Yeah, I think it was a team fuck up, wasn't it? Um, I, I think it's harsh to blame it on anyone. You know, with Morrison, he's not the quickest. And we've seen this goal scored again and again. It's constant. I think the one way I was on BBC Wales before the kickoff um, saying Ooh. the one thing I was worried about was the cutback and strikers scoring a tap-in. And what happened? Pacey Winger got ahead of defender, cut back and grabbed it to tap it in. Um, mm-hmm. it just It's the one thing that feels like inevitable with City. As soon as you see that ball going across the box, you at least know it's going on target. If not, they're going to score. Um, and I'm surprised more teams don't try and take more advantage of it to be honest because it's, it's just so constant don't want to give them away Quite, but yeah yeah, I'll edit that bit out because you don't want to tell the other teams about it um, yeah it's it's it is pretty simple I mean, it's the most basic you know it's, there's, there's two ways of playing football on a basic level long balls or, or to the wings and they they exploited that wing space quite easily um, but Tom you're right we had, we had chances in that first half um, Baggin hit the bar um, it's quite interesting watching Bag and get forward. He seems to quite enjoy getting in on the back post, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. It's quite refreshing to see, actually. And when you know we were we were lacking a lot of width further up the field, so it's good to see you know have, having young fullbacks were getting forward like that. Um, and I think he's growing into the season as well. You know, still a bit raw. He's going to make mistakes, but yeah, he's not afraid to get forward and make make some like killer passes and stuff like that. Now he's getting involved a lot more than he was in the first couple of games. So now I'm excited to see him developing and. Yeah, it'd be nice if I dropped in for him, but it was a bit, a bit of a weird effort the way I hit the bar. I thought it was going yeah. miles over, and it just kind yeah, of dropped like a stone. But yeah, it's it like a rainbow, wasn't it? It yeah. kind of arced in quite a, a dramatic way at the end. Um, that first half, then there was a lot of long throws without much success for a team that has Morrison who can take a long throw, Pack who can take a long throw, Nelson who can take a long throw. Volks who can take a long throw and for a team who has Morrison who likes to score goals Flip who likes to score goals we don't really do much from those long throws do we like our success ratio should be much higher it should for what we're doing with it and the amount we had I totally agree but I think it's just so easy to defend against isn't it it's, it's not like when we do the long throw we've got like three or four routines that we can rotate through that we try we just arch it in the box and hope for the best <laughs> you know what's coming the throw is going to go to Morrison Morrison's going to try and flick it on and they're going to hope uh, Flint is behind Morrison to win the header and sort of knock it in but it's, um, what I would say is what it does then is free up space like we saw from the goal where everyone's expecting that long throw and when it doesn't come it works it was the and one time we changed it it, it does. Made yeah. sense. but that I think if anything that proves that we need to rotate through not just have the yeah. one plan with the long throws yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it for me. Like, 
we we do. I think the the goals we score from long throws or the 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 chances we create from long throws do justify the means. But that first half was just a relentless, seemed to be like a cavalcade of throw after throw after throw that got into the box. And yes, there was pushing and pulling from the players, and we probably could have had a penalty in the first half um, for some of those pushes and pulls, but. They they just never really led to anything, but I, I suppose it right it did it did it did open up the second half, and obviously it was a completely different game in the second half. Um, Tom, um, you know, we saw James Collins toiling in the first half, and he had a chance, didn't put it away, but he's 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 just not he doesn't win the headers like Kiefer Moore does. But does it just show yesterday the the importance of bringing Kiefer Moore on or the importance of Kiefer Moore to this team because everything changed when he came on. I know Colwell came on at the same time, but Moore's the catalyst, isn't he? Yeah, I think you can't kind of understate what the, the, the effort and stuff that Collins puts in. He puts yeah. himself about things like that. Uh, but the, yeah, when Moore came on, it's a different quality. Like the way he can hold the ball up, the way he just offers something different. And even when he's not scoring himself or directly setting up chances, he's causing carnage somewhere that helps us, you know, create chances. It's, he's just an absolute unit. Um, and he's just a well-rounded, like all-rounded, gifted footballer it seems now he's really grown into that role and yeah you know when he's back 45th and getting a run of games again he's not gonna Collins isn't gonna be in the starting lineup ahead of him there's no doubt he for panics defenders as well it's not just the yeah. fact that he works hard and he's so, like how good he is it's also defenders seem a lot more worried when he's on the pitch compared to Collins and that's not like disrespecting Collins because I thought he worked really hard and played all right actually just didn't really have much of the much he didn't really have a lot there for him as well. The service I thought was poor for him, so you can't hold it on him. But yeah, Kiefer when he comes on, he takes a he t- takes our players up a level and sets the panic level amongst other defenders much higher, which I think is just shows the quality of that player that defenders throughout the league recognise. Oh shit, we're in for it now. Yeah, well, like, he's a, you he's a want, level above, isn't he? Well, yeah, and you, as a defender though, you, you you the last thing you want. To someone the same height as you, with the same aerial ability as you, you know, it's, it's someone who's negating their advantage straight away, and then he's good with the ball at his feet as well. It's just you know, he's going to cause absolute carnage all season if he carries on playing like he did in the last stages of that game. He's he's also deceptively quick. There were there were times yeah. in yesterday's yeah. game where he's chasing down the ball and he's covering. It might be you know, I I don't think he's <laughs> don't think he's Usain Bolt levels are quick, but he's got a long stride and he gets gets up to speed quite quick. And if you're a centre half who like if you're someone like Aiden Flint, right, and you're defending against him, you go well, I can match him for height. But as soon as Kiefer Moore gets you on the turn and he gets past you over three or four yards, he's he's got that. And if you're there, there, you know this this league is full of defenders who clog the ball away. I mean, Nottingham Forest defenders this they were pretty poor. I thought all game they didn't they didn't really match us in the air at times. They didn't really um, you know they were they were very they were very reliant on pushing and pulling of our defenders. And I think Kiefer Moore just came on in the second half and, and put the panic amongst them. And obviously he teamed up really nicely with a, another player, Ben. Um, don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, Ruben Colwell um, heard some things about him. Heard he could be a future star, um, and yesterday he announced his arrival in a, a, his arrival in a, a pretty spectacular way, didn't he? Oh mate, did you see his face when he scored? Couldn't believe it, could he? Oh, I was amazing. It was just so good. He absolutely loved it, and just straight to the fans. It was just, yeah, that was class. I absolutely loved it, and delighted for him. It's always nice to see sort of a youngster score his first goal, but oh, the joy on his baby face was just incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, the first goal is is an instinctive finish. Obviously, it bounced around in the box a little bit and he just got something on it and put it towards goal. But that, that second goal was 
that that showed a bit of maturity above his years. I think. I think when Moore wins that header and it opens up for him, there's there's a propensity there for a, a lot of players who would panic. Right? They would look for that first pass straight away. But he took took a touch. It opened up for him, and to set himself and and, and whip it around that keeper, Tom was it was delightful, wasn't it? Considering I haven't seen a lot of him play, and well, no one has. When the ball fell to him, you felt like an air of inevitable. It's inevitable, didn't it? Yeah, because there's been so much talk about him, and you know. Coaches have come out and said how classy a player he is. He's got ability and stuff. And it, it's great to have someone with that ability in that area of the park now, where if it opens up in front of them, we think he's going to score. Because I think we've lacked that for a while now. I think, you know, that type of midfielder we've been crying out for. So it'd be really interesting to see how often he plays going forward because he really is exciting to watch. Um. Is that him, Ben, announcing himself to the world? You know, I think we, we've 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 had the hype. We've had weeks and weeks. He's been in the Wales squad, and everyone's kind of like, as Tom said, people haven't really seen him, but everyone's that expectation of him. Is that him kind of setting his stall out now? I think he's got a long way to go until he's properly established himself as like one to watch. But the potential's right there, um, and he's made a hell of a good start, to sort of it. And I think Mick said he's glad the window had been closed. The window closed a week after he's made his debut for Wales in a competitive game. And he scores two goals in the championship. Um, he's very glad that the, yeah the window's closed. But there's a lot of work to do, and I think there's loads of people sort of clamouring on social media for him to start every game between now and 2040. And I'd love for that to happen in a way. But uh, he's a young lad. You don't want to burn him out, and he's still got a lot to learn. It's not. It's not as simple as just throwing him in every game now because he scored two goals. As much as I'd like it to be, I think I think there's that. It, it was similar with Ramsey, but I think social media heightens it, right? I think like you know he's he's he scored those goals and everyone immediately wants him to start every game because they think we've got the the few, the next Aaron Ramsey or whatever it is. And I just don't and think he's it exciting works that to way. watch as well. He's every, very exciting every to watch. Time, even the Bristol game when he came on, ball at his feet, he's looking to do something with it, and that's something we are desperately missing in that side. But you then got to remember that what's he played? Eight eight first team games for Cardiff, eight, nine games. Yeah. He's still got a lot to not learn, but sort of to get him up to speed and get him ready to play a full 90 twice a week. Um, it's gonna take some careful man management. I'm glad I'm glad we've got McCarthy there to do it, to be honest. I don't think there's many other managers I'd want to sort yeah. of ease him in and get him up to speed quickly. Cause by Christmas, I think he'll be a regular starter. But let's not rush it straight away. No, and I think I think that's it, right? We we, we need we, we have the luxury of being able to take our time with him um, for, for the reason of you know there's there's other players who can fill that role. There's different ways of playing, and I think we should take that luxury because you see it with other players who who've come through a club somewhere and immediately you know the world's expected of them and they don't deliver, and it, it can be quite crushing. But I think I think taking it steady with him is going to be the way to do it. Um, but other other U team players, Tom, do deserve a shout out as well. I mean. Yesterday, obviously, with Bakuna going off injured, Bowen was thrust into the limelight. We started with with Baggin, Bowen and Harris, who've all come through the Youth Academy. We had on the bench, obviously, Ruben Colwell and Kieran Evans came on. As well as on the bench, we had Tom Sang and Kieran Brown. Obviously, NG still relatively young. It's We're actually in a, a good spate of things with youth players, aren't we? Something we've been craving for so many years is now actually happening. Yeah, it feels like it's come out of nowhere a little bit. Like We've had like the odd player here and there we thought might break through. Then to suddenly have like six Welsh players in the squad, where for so long we had none. And like, I know that it should be separated. You know, club football is very different to international football. You don't necessarily 
need Welsh players in your team and things like that. But it's closely linked for a capital city club, though, isn't it? Like, it's, yeah. some, it's, it's as a matter of pride. And look at our fans. Like, there's an extra level of excitement when it's yeah. a homegrown player who breaks through. There's an extra level of excitement from the player when they score for their homegrown club as well. Their hometown club, sorry. So it is good to see. I'm trying not to get too carried away, but I, I know part of me is like, I'll go full Pedri, just like, get Colwell to play 70 odd games in a season, burn him out, ruin him short term. Because it is just excited to see Welsh youngsters and Cardiff youngsters in particular playing in the team at the moment. And they look at those celebrations from the fans, from the players, people piling on, Moz doing something weird again. <laughs> but on top of a pile on, but it's just you. It was such a good atmosphere. Like you could, and when you when you watch the clip back without the commentators as well, you hear the noise from the fans. It felt like a proper away day, and the players were completely involved in that as well. Oh, it's just exciting. Like it, uh, it feels like it hasn't been like that for a while. Obviously, Ruben Cole was taking the headlines, but I think there Ben there needs to be a little special mention for Mark Harris. Um, I think I think Mark Harris, you know, I went on loan to Wrexham. It looks like for all the world that he was never going to get a look in here. But obviously Mick um, and, and um, Neil Harris saw something in him last season, brought him into the team and he's done quite well. But but yes, they felt like a an, almost like a, a maturity uh, change, not maturity change, you know, another level to Mark Harris's game. He's playing as almost like a auxiliary striker. Maybe he's not going to get on the end of balls, but he's creating space for other players. And do you see that as like a future role for him? You know, if you're going to play more in the middle, you can play... Uh, Colwell and Harris around him not an out and out striker but like a false nine role yeah I think he's a natural fit to play in that sort of behind sort of that one of the two number tens behind the main striker um, just for the way he works his works um, it feels like him getting that national call up and getting yeah. that fit in international cap has really really sort of puffed, made him puff his chest and go alright I'm actually a properly good footballer here and he's stepped up to the plate. And to be honest, he looks just exciting to me as Cole at the moment. Um, I think he's an absolute, he's got the potential to be an absolute baller as well. I think I think it's it's getting the Wales call up, but actually having an impact in the games, right? Like he he came yeah. on and he looked very good against Belarus. He he was involved in the the winning goal, um, putting himself about. And I think, yeah, I I I, I agree with you. I think it's a really exciting time. And I think if if we can get more out of Harris, more out of Colwell more out of Bowen and, and the other players who are coming through, then it's 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 going to be a really exciting time for the next four or five years because they're all still so young. I feel a bit sorry for Bowen. Um, probably isn't the debut he wanted. Didn't have much time to get ready. And then for that first half while he was on, the ball just bypassed the midfield completely. And I know that's going to happen a lot with the Cardiff City side, but... Yeah. <laughs> get used to that, Sam. Yeah, the poor lad just... Oh, he didn't, it, that, but like that, for, for 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 a late call up debut, obviously in the warm up, which is even worse than a, you know the night before or the week before, he didn't look out of place. No, like as did. much as you can say the ball, the ball may 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 have bypassed him. It, you know, it bypassed Marlon Pack as well, who's a, a midfielder with 10, 12 years of experience at this level. So, yeah, it's it's that's not a knock on him or anything. Um, I think sounded like it was though, Ben. No, he's a good looking lad. Like I said the other <laughs> week, so he's got that going for him. He can always look in the mirror and enjoy that, and then just look. He's got a of a future as well. Um, it's just, yeah, probably not the debut he wanted after such an encouraging performance against Brighton as well in the Cup. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. It's very exciting. And and Tom, it needs to be exciting, right? Because obviously the transfer window ended with, with one Josh Murphy going out on loan. Now we can never ask the question ever again, will it be his season? It might be, oh, but it won't be for well, us. Well, it might be, it? yeah. yeah. It and it feels like it inevitably will be. 
his yeah. season. Oh, like, any, so, other, any other club but Preston it probably would be. Yeah. But when they're pinning yeah. their hopes for Connor Wickham. Yeah, they signed in today, didn't they, on a, on a, a temporary contract. Um, obviously, the transfer window ended in uh, good fashion and bad fashion in, in, in more ways than one. Obviously, the bad was, was Josh Murphy leaving on loan. Um, Tom, ultimately, are you disappointed with him leaving or are you just disappointed that he's never fulfilled his potential here? Uh, yeah, I think it's the fulfilling potential part of it. I think I don't think we're losing out on him leaving. I think at the time it didn't seem to make sense because no one else came in. But mm-hmm. after watching the face being put in youngsters, it started to make more sense now. I think the void will, will be filled by people who are already around the club. And, and that's good for a continuity point of view as well. We're not bringing too many people in just for the sake of it. Um so yeah, I think I think it's a good move for us, and I think it's a good move for Murphy as well to just try somewhere new because it just hasn't worked out the last few years. And I think everyone is sick of the conversation of oh, will he come good? Will he come good? Is it his season? Like I know I'm sick of it, but it felt like we had to say it. But yeah, I think it's a good move for both parties in the end. I think he's only come off the bench uh, for Preston so far, Ben. Um, do, you, do you envisage him having a good season up there? It felt like a strange move, but I think he said he knows the manager there, knows a few of the players. Obviously, he's good friends with Greg Cunningham, who's back up there. Um, what are your expectations for him at Preston? I haven't got any. Um, hopefully, he finds his feet and sort of finds a club where he can crack on and sort of become the player he should have when he just before he left Norwich. There was a reason we paid 11 million quid for him. There's a good player in there just the wrong club for him um and yeah good luck to him I hope he does well because he seems like a nice lad clearly talented and just I think he just wants to get back enjoying football like he said so I don't expect him to I'm not put this way, I'm not expecting us to act, include like activate the recall clause in January no do you think this is the last we'll see of him um I'll go to you first Tom I think his contract's up next year he's one of the players whose contract's up um I mean there doesn't seem to be any conversation around renewing him I thought you know, we could do the Chelsea thing, which is renew his contract, then send him out on loan just to to, to guarantee us some money from it. But it feels like we've kind of washed our hands of him. Yeah, I think so. And I think obviously he's going to be a player who's on decent wages because of the time mm-hmm. he came into the club as well. Yeah, I can't. I, I think we won't see him in a Cardiff show ever again. I'm pretty sure of that. Ever again, Ben, do you agree? Do you echo those sentiments? I echo the sentiments of my co-host. I thought I was the host. Uh. Um, what were you then? You'll be back. Well, you're just my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, the raison d'etre of the, the transfer window, Ben, was to to keep Kiefer Moore. Um, how much were you shitting itself on that final day? It felt like all the world that Wolves were coming in for him. There was conversations about late hour bids, but it, I was nervous at one point. But then it, it passed off with that incident, didn't it? I got twitchy until I heard the bid. When the bid was coming out between four and seven million, I was like, oh, there's no way he's going, even we're not that stupid. Cool. And then <laughs> how much did we sell Aaron Ramsey for? Yeah, four million quid. <laughs> to be fair though, we didn't include a sell-on clause, and that worked out all right for us, didn't it? Because we wouldn't have got any money anyway, because he went on a free. <laughs> yeah, very well done, Peter Ridge there, you fucking genius. <laughs> Absolute genius, that was. But um, yeah, like it was just a big thing that we kept him. It feels a bit like the like we said a while back, the Kenzo Hall moment. We didn't sell him to Brighton the year we went up. Um, I'm just glad we kept him. It got nervous though when the reports were coming in and sort of because it was about midday. There's nothing we're thinking right. Nothing's happening here. It seems very quiet. We're all good. So um, yeah. And then about half past twelve, one o'clock, 
Yeah. Is it the guy from Telegraph starts breaking the news and you're going, oh, oh. God, it's going to happen now. And it last minute. It John John Percy, I think his name is, the guy from the Telegraph. Yeah. And yeah, just they're going, you can see, you could just see it. Cardiff City accept, shit bid, and then go. But then the fee, the fee for Wolves were offering was ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm just glad he didn't go. I kind of was it Leeds a few years ago was like don't go to bed anytime soon <laughs> activity <laughs> incoming and then they just sold a bunch of players. It was like two of those promising young players when no yeah money. yeah it's like on loan. I could see cut you know kind of see admin going don't go to sleep yet Bluebirds news incoming with that transfer contract signing thing. Keith Moore has been sold for three million pounds. Um, Tom, it felt like obviously. It felt like everything hinged on the Kiefer Moore move, right? Obviously, we, we didn't want to let him go. There were no inward activity because obviously we didn't sell Kiefer Moore, so there was no reason to sign anyone. Um, that all said, there was no expectations that we were going to sign anyone. Mick McCarthy's been very upfront about us needing to cut our cloth, but we disappointed that there were no signings. Obviously, we want to see the youth coming through, but it just felt like with Tomlin's situation at the moment, with Murphy going, that they were just crying out for maybe one player to come in with a bit of creative spark. Yeah, I think that sums up nicely. I think we're looking for a whole All right, team. No answer for you then. I've summed up nicely. Move. <laughs> no, I think, um, yeah, I think we could have done with a couple of other people, but nothing like mad. We didn't need a whole new squad. Mm-hmm. But I think when you look around at other teams in the league and how how many squads are suffering at the moment, like they haven't got the money to bring people in. I think there's teams who are a hell of a lot worse off than us. Yeah. And I think, like you said, the big win was keeping Kiefer Moore. At least it shows we've got some intent that we might think we'd be in and around the playoff picture at least come January time, come the end of the season. Because if we sold him, you know, I we might as well have kissed goodbye to any sort yeah, of hopes of being towards the, the top of the league. So I think, yeah, that was the big win. It was it was a thank fuck moment, wasn't it? When the when the window shut and he was still the Cardiff player. And now I'm a little bit more upbeat, you know, for that that followed by, you know, a win after the international break is a very different outlook to when you think he's about to disappear. Because I, I was honestly dreading the rest of the season if he'd left. He also stuck like you know. I think there's there's always a a danger that that, that players after a move hasn't materialised or after something like this has happened that they look a bit pissed off. He still looks like he's loving it here, and I think that says a lot about the the team we have. Right, he's obviously close with Will Vox, the coach with Sean Morrison. Um, there's a really good the, Nelson. I think they all went on. You know, was it during the international break? All the players who weren't involved or went together for a London trip kind of thing. There seems to be a closeness here, which means that him staying around doesn't feel like a wrench for him, right? Yeah, like he wasn't pushing for a move either, no. was he? I think that's the difference. There's a lot of people are noticing he's fucking good at football and he's pivotal to us. And and it just didn't materialise. And, you know, he's got another, you know, another season in a team where he's already scored 20 goals them in the season before. And um, we'd probably look just as threatening, really, in terms of, where we're going to be in the league table just because everyone else is useless. So, you know, he's going to be still excited to be playing football for us. And the fans love him. That's the thing as well. He hadn't played in front of our fans until this season. So it's going to be a first full season where he's going to have thousands of people screaming his name. So, Was the first first goal he scored in front of fans Blackpool away? Yeah, for Cardiff it would have been, wouldn't it? I hadn't even considered that. That's mental. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So... At least that's probably helped us in a way. If we if, if it was a full season in front of fans, you know, there'd have been even more kind of, you know, substance to the, the, the key for more stuff. But yeah, it, I think that's worked in our favour, really. 
It's also quite interesting. I think there's, I think clubs have gone two ways in this transfer window. If you, there's lots of clubs like us who've signed the players they need to sign. They, they're kind of bringing through the youth players and they've kind of kept the, the core of their squads together to to kind of consolidate on the league. And then you look at those, those clubs across the league. If you look at Ipswich, they've signed their 19th player, I think, this summer. And they're having a fucking shocker. They lost 5-2 at the weekend to Bolton. And I think that shows that, you know, there's there's cause to sign players, but if you overload it and change the nucleus of your squad too much with a new manager, with a new way of doing things, you're going to struggle. And I think, I think hey, Forest, yeah, Forest, Forest do it every year. They sign 10 or 14 players every year. A lot of them from Olympiacos. And you've seen it this year. It seems to be like, this seems to be a culmination of three or four years of bad management by their, by their owners, by the, the managers who were there. I mean, they're paying Harry Arter £38,000 a week to go and play for Charlton. It says everything you need to know about Nottingham Forest's transfer policy. Um, and I, I, I don't see a way back from it at the moment. Um, one point they, you know, they scored against us. They've got goals in the team with with um, Lewis Graben and Lyle fucking Taylor. But I just don't see, I just don't see how they're going to recover from where they are in the table at the moment. It takes an impressive, like there's a big rivalry between them and Derby for years, isn't there? And it takes an impressive yeah. way to actually do Derby in the fuck up scale. Hmm. And somehow yeah. they're managing it. Like everyone had Derby nailed on for bottom of the table, had no chance this season. Forest have gone now. We could do worse than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> Derby, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Moving on to the Twitter questions now. Um, didn't have that many this week. Um, people obviously just re- reveling in the victory, but we do have a father and son combo to open the Twitter questions. So let's go with the son first, Tom Carter, who I saw this weekend in Cheltenham. Thanks, Tom, for showing me around Cheltenham. Um, his question, Tom, is we've kind of discussed it already. Should Colwell be eased in or st- in still, or do we go full on Ramsey 2008 and start him in every game, then sell him to Wolves in January for four million pounds? <laughs> uh, what's your view on that? Yeah, ease him in is the sensible approach. But part of me is would like to just throw him straight in and just see what he does. Because we like we do lack creative threat, but our game plan isn't very creative. So I think inevitably he'll be eased in, not through any sort of man management. I think he'll just be through the systems that we play and the fact that we don't really cater for that type of player. Because there's still a chance we'll completely destroy him by playing shit football all the time and not letting him thrive. But yeah, uh, hopefully he'll be eased in and he'll have an impact. Ben, do you want to just shove him in the team and see what happens? No, ease him in. Oh. Let's not fuck it completely. We've got a long time with him. Let's ruin him slowly, not very quickly. <laughs> yeah, let's not send him to Wolves in January. Let's send him to Wolves in three years' time for £2 million. Yeah, exactly. And then following swiftly on the heels of Tom Carter, it's Sir David Carter. Uh, five academy lads make an appearance in arguably our best away win for some time. Feels like TC is coaching our younger players who be better footballers. Ma- uh, Mick McCarthy said this when describing, I almost said Malky Mackay. Mick McCarthy said this when describing Colwell's second goal. Uh, ben, when did we last have someone as a second in charge who makes this impact? I think, I you know, we go back to who do we have under Warnock? We had um, Blackwell. Kevin Blackwell and Jepson. Under Mackay, we had Kerslake. I don't even know who we had under Slade and uh, Dave Trollop and oh yeah, fucking hell. And uh, um, Dave Jones, was it Terry Burton? Yeah. Yeah. He does feel like, it really does feel like TC is a proper coach, doesn't it? Yeah. I think he's, he's had the most influence on those players since I know people are going to laugh at me for saying this since Trollop under Slade. Let's mm-hmm. not forget how much the difference Trollop made when he came in as a coach. Yeah. As the manager. When he came in as a coach... Doing he... well at Forest, though, isn't he? Yeah. I fucking know. I, th- I think you could stick um, Thomas Tuchel at Forest and he'd struggle. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> anyway, back to TC. Yeah. Let's praise TC some more. Yeah, I think that you can see. But I like how it's not just a case of when players are doing well, he's there just hugging them, and it's it's not all for show. One minute he's hugging them, the next minute he's pulling them and sort of saying, "Oh, we should have done this there." Like he sky cut to the cameras, and it was like yes. he was still coaching him as he's coming off the field. He was coaching Cole as he walked off the pitch, wasn't he? I absolutely loved it. And, and Tom, we saw it last season, right? With with TC, there was there were moments with Josh Murphy where he was, you know, giving him hugs when he came off the pitch. You could see that he was really drilling the players. Does it does it feel like that he does more of the coaching than Mick does? Possibly. I, I he's certainly not just a hype man or anything like that, is he? Like. And um, comments, <laughs> I've never said that in my life. When Mick McCarthy's um, doing his press conferences, he's just filling in with the odd word. Yeah. At the end of the sentence, repeating what Mick says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Culmination. But like uh, Mick was saying after the game, like he'd been, uh, TC had been coaching Colwell to shoot lower, keep it low, don't blaze it over the bar. And he was he, he pretty much said that Colwell's goal was all down to TC. He kind of just took it away from Colwell completely, which is quite funny to watch, actually. But it just shows the impact he's having and the details he's going into as well. You know, he's breaking down parts of the game, really helping them grow as players. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to see someone having an impact like that and not just being a personality around the place, but actually, you know, like getting into that, the finer things, um, a part of their technique. I don't think it's a secret that TC's the coach behind the combo, is it? I think it's pretty well known that TC does more on the training field day to day than McCarthy does. It's a very old, like McCarthy's very old school in that way. He's not a coach, he's a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, TC's very much the footballing, not the footballing brain, I think it's unfair to say on McCarthy, but TC's just as important in that combo. It's a proper 50 he's, he's, he's the hands-on coach, isn't he? He's yeah. the one who, every day, who's like drilling them, drilling them, drilling them. Well, Mick McCarthy's there to oversee everything and be the, 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 the guy who brings it all together. Um, and on that note, Gonzo McKenzie, old friend of the pod, will Mick ever change formation, Ben? Uh, a 4-2-3-1 with Keitha up front and Giles Colwell Harris behind looks great, but presumably a back four would mean that the Flint Mozza pairing wouldn't work due to a lack of pace. It's quite sexy sounding 4-2-3-1, isn't it? But I think we've seen it before that Flint can't operate in a, in a two-man defence, can he? Yeah, Morrison struggles as well these days. Look, Morrison's getting... I'm not saying he's getting on. He's like a week older than me, or a week younger than me, so he's not getting on, but... It's um yeah those two players in a uh, four back four isn't going to work. Um, it's a nice FIFA sort of style idea, but no, I don't think Mick's ever going to change that. He's found the system that works for the players he's got, and I think that's good management there. Tom, the the, the next question from Tom Lewis was NG or Sang, um, and it kind of feeds into the convers- the, co- the question that Gonzo asked. More Harrison Colwell to start Wednesday. Not too sure about Collins yet. Seems to get into positions, but doesn't look like scoring. Um, that that more Harris Colwell front three is going to pick up pace, isn't it? As people talk about it, it's going to be the thing that people want to see. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You can see that already. You know, three Welsh blokes, uh, two youngsters in there as well with a tried and tested striker. People are going to keep calling for it. But Mick doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks, does he? You can see he hates that. Us. So he's he not hates gonna, our opinions. Yeah, he's not, yeah, yeah, and rightly so. Most of our opinions are shocking. But um, not as three, I just mean as a collective Cardiff group. Yeah, the no, Royal I'll, I'll openly admit, I know, fuck all. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go. Compared to me on Mick McCarthy, who knows more about football? I think Mick is edging it a little bit. Just a tad, possibly. But I think that and the NG Sang one's an interesting one. I think NG's probably just pushed himself in front of Sang again now. I think that I think we said in the last part, I can't remember, it was a while ago, we were saying that I think it's going to be a back and forth between them all season. Mm-hmm. And it's actually nice to have that back and forth. Um, in that in that position as well, and like when I try to predict the team before the game, 
I can never choose which one it's, it's going to be yeah. out of the two. And long may it continue. Ben, who would you pick, NG or Sang, on current performance? On current performance, I still go with Sang. I think he's just offered more the last few games. I don't, I don't think we've seen the Perry NG that we saw sort of when he came in in January. I, I was think he's still, he's still got a level to go up yet, and um, Sang's impressed me whenever he's played. To be honest, um, so yeah, I think for me it's Sang shit, but um, yeah, it's nice. Like they're rotating. Hopefully, we get Perry NG back to what he was before. I feel like when you play. Shape. When you play Sang, you get fifty percent more, don't you? Because his name's Sayen, and you get he's got fifty percent more letters in his last name. I knew, NG. I knew you were doing a joke, but I couldn't. The light of me worked out. <laughs> yeah. what it was. I couldn't work yeah. out either. I knew there was a joke there somewhere. It's relatively clever. It's but... quite. It's a bit too clever, though, isn't it? It's a bit yeah, too esoteric. Yeah, yeah. How long have you sat on it? Me. Oh, that literally just came into my head then. Oh, um, genius, you. All right, fair play. That's, all right, I'll give you credit. That's I just saw them together and I was like, I think I tweeted something similar last year, though. Ah, they um, About oh, it's, it's always been, yeah, well, fuck off. Um, all I was going to say about NG is, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's, I think he, he came in and was so good for those first couple of months and then tailed off a little bit, which is to be expected. Stepping up a level, looked like, you know, he was leading the press at one point and he probably burnt himself out. And yesterday I thought he looked solid, but it wasn't the NG of old, perhaps. It wasn't the barnstorming NG we saw, but he did put in that fucking wicked slide tackle where he definitely got the ball while he took the man. I can yeah. see why he was given a foul, but he got the ball. It was a proper old school slide tackle. I, um, I, pick, I pick NG as well, just to throw that in. Because um, I, I think he's a bad defender. As well, and mm-hmm. I think I think you're less likely to get a mistake from him at the moment than he would Sang. But then I think that's why you pick and choose which games you play them. But I think for Coventry coming up, I, I think I'd put NG in ahead of Sang. Stop getting ahead of yourself. We'll talk Coventry in a minute. I thought that was Come a good segue, but then I realised there was more. No, there's one question left. <laughs> and this, this is this is. This is a segue into uh, a night game as well. Tim Burns asks, thoughts on Bovril? Haven't had it since the last wintry midweek night at the CCFC and quite looking forward to it. Extra pepper. My thoughts on Bovril, I fucking love a cup of Bovril. And I used to do a combo where I'd get Bovril and a pie. And it was the saltiest meal you could have a, a, like, um, at a halftime ever. Because you have like a salty, salty Bovril with a salty pie. And you'd come out, you'd have to go and get a Coke afterwards to quench your thirst. But I fucking love a Bovril. Uh, ben, your thoughts on a Bovril? Sounds like you need a quadruple bypass after that. Are you saying that has made my arteries fear? Yeah, no, that mate. much salt in it. Christ. Um, I'm not a big Bovril guy. Oh, I've tried, but I can't get Tim's into it. Tim's going to be disappointed. Like, I love Marmite. Marmite's like the best thing on toaster, on a bagel, on a crumpet, but no, I'm not a Bovril guy at all. Tom, you strike me as a Bovril man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 you're bang on. You know, <laughs> beef, beef drink. Works. Yeah. Like, what more do you want? Beef drink. Come Beef on, lads. Drink. Yeah, exactly. You're right. And that segues quite nicely into Coventry away this week. So obviously, it's our uh, another midweek game, uh, Wednesday night kickoff, which is novel. Feels like we're in the Champions League, um, but it's not. It's CCFC versus CCFC at the Rico Arena. Um, midweek away to a team in and around us in the league. Coventry have started really well, Ben. Uh, Robbins is doing a great job there. They signed well in the summer. People like Martin Waghorn, Simon Moore, former Cardiff player playing for them. How are you feeling about this game? Are you confident? No, I'm quite nervous. They um, looked good on the weekend um, and they've done well throughout. They're um, playing well above sort of a lot of people who are having them down as relegation candidates. I thought they'd do all right, to be honest. And they're proven to do that. Um, they look good attacking, made some good signs. I think Simon Moore at this level is a very, very good sort of mid-table championship keeper. Um, they're going to be, it's not going to be an easy game for us, that. 
No, I'm looking at the results now. They've beat Forest like we did. They've lost to Barnsley, but then they've lost to QPR, but then they've beaten Reading, beaten Blackpool, beaten Middlesbrough at the weekend. Um, and obviously beaten Middlesbrough, you know, we know what Middlesbrough are like under Warnock. Tom, it's no easy feat to do. Um, who are the players you're looking at from, from Coventry to cause us problems? Do you even know any of their players? Uh, yeah, obviously you've got a bad on that one more than me. No, but they've got Argon and stuff, haven't they? They've got like... They've stuff. They got like McFadden and things at the back who've been playing there a while. They they just know their roles. Like they play a certain way. They um, shut their down been playing. Like, so I was thinking the rock thing there, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it'll be a tough game. Um, I, I, Palmy would take a point, I think. But at the same time, <clears> it's a team you kind of want to be beating if you want to be in and around the playoffs. But it, it's a bigger game than I thought it'd be at this stage. Because, yeah, I thought there'd be a bit more of a gap between us and I didn't think that we'd be the ones behind them. But, you know, always big to CCFC derby, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's the one they all want to win. Um, oh. Obviously, they're, they're, they're near to us in the table, Ben. If we beat them, we, we take them over into the playoffs. Um, talk about, you know, where we want to be at the end of the season. It's the teams around us that we, we really need to be beating, right? And you look at the table at the moment, you've got Coventry near us, you've got um, Bournemouth coming up on Saturday near us as well. Are these, we'll talk about Bournemouth in more depth, but is, is Coventry, these are the games we need to be winning, right? If we want to be taken seriously as a playoff team. I think away from home, if you come away with a point, I th- I'd be pretty happy with that at this early stage. It's more important away from home not, then. not to lose than sort of go balls to the wall and get a win. Probably further down. If we were playing it sort of March time, we'd probably be more desperate for a win if we're chasing the playoffs. But right now, look, if you don't lose, I think the form they're in, it's not a bad point at all. No, I think you're right. Um, I, I just like to, you know, play into the hyper, hyperbolic kind of uh, sentiments there. Um, we've already talked about it, Tom. Um, you know, Moore came on and made a difference on Saturday. Um, Colwell came off the bench and scored. Harris was 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 brilliant. I, I don't really know the state of uh, Giles at the moment and where he is, but at this stage, would you say you'd start with more Harris and Colwell or would you would you stick to a more conservative starting lineup? I think I've got more conservative for this one, um, being away from home. And being mm-hmm. with you know um, a, a couple of games in quick succession, if if Giles was fit, I, th- I think he'd come back in for me as well. Um, but I, I don't think I'd start Colwell. But I I, I want to see more back in the team definitely. Um, I, 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 it just gives us an outlet. And if we are pumping balls up the field, you feel like you're going to get more out of him than you would Collins in that regard. So you get more yeah. out of him. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, um, but <laughs> but yeah, I, I I bring him straight back into the team, idiot. Oh, tough crowd tonight. Tough crowd. Um, Ben, do you know where Ryan Giles is? Do you know what the state of Ryan Giles is at the moment? Because I know Rawls is out with a, a bit of a groin injury, but Giles, I didn't, I maybe wasn't paying attention, but I didn't hear what McCarthy said about him. It was an illness thing, I think he said. Someone said on Twitter with the old Twitter rumors that he was waiting result on a COVID test. All oh, right, like yourself. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me and Ryan Giles you... isolated together. Yeah, where have you two been? That's what I want to know. I haven't been anywhere. It was Dora's fault. Too much exploring. I don't know where she's been. Don't know where she's been. Um, but I am awaiting my PCR test. It should be done by tomorrow morning, which would determine whether I can attend the Rico Arena on Wednesday night. Are you going After to... weeks of. Well, after weeks of going, because I because I was away, for, this is really boring, but we'll talk about the logistics of going on a away trip. I was away with work at the weekend and I go to a wedding on Saturday and I was a bit like, oh, I probably probably shouldn't go. But if I, if I, can, if, if I can get past Dora living with someone who has coronavirus and have a negative PCR test tomorrow, then it feels like I should go to Coventry uh, on Wednesday night. 
So um, I'm 50-50 at the moment. I spent five years every other weekend going back and forth to Coventry. As much as I love City, I do not want to go to that grey shithole again for a long time. I mean, what's your favorite? Go on. For the, the Cardiff fans who are attending on Wednesday who might be getting there early, what should they see? There's literally nothing there. They've got a leisure centre they claim looks a bit like an elephant in the city centre. It doesn't really. It looks a bit shit. That's getting knocked down soon anyway. Um, the Transport Museum, they've got that. They used to have an all-you-can-eat buffet called Cosmos. That was all right. There's um, one of those in Cardiff, wasn't there? It was, it yeah. Was. yeah. I'm trying to think what else said. That's the problem. Five years. Fun, uh, fun fact. Was that, about, was that in the Bay, the one? Was it Cosmos in the Bay? Yeah. Fun fact. Uh, when I worked at the comedy club, uh, Cosmos, and this might get me in trouble. I don't give a shit. Cosmos flushed so much oil down the sinks that they blocked the toilets in the Glee Club and all the shit was spurting out of it. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I that's I you know have not really told anyone that it was quite a well guarded secret at the time, but they really fucked our drains up. I think they've gone bust since Cosmos, so I think you'd be all right. Oh yeah, fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Tom, you raised your hand a minute ago. Did you have something to say? Oh no, they were saying for those city fans who are probably going, and I think I'm oh, one yeah. of the city fans who were going. So I'm glad that Ben's given it such you know holds in such high regard. I'm really excited. Fucking though. hole. I know it I... got bombed. The cathedral's really nice. The bombed one, not the cathedral's good. I've been to the cathedral. The cathedral's good. all right. Fe- 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 it's fe- a good night one. out. Like I said, it's not. I enjoyed and it. Casper's I went to. That's like the shooting place. Yeah. I saw three people at different times pouring WKDs into a fish tank. Class. It's just, look, I'm not a fan of Coventry at all. <laughs> Five a, years. That, that, that WKDs into a fish tank took me a while to register because I was like, fish bowls? Fish bowls? No, no, into, fish an, bowls? into an actual fish tank with My living fish God. In. My God. Uh, anyway, on to, on to nicer places for the for the Saturday's game, which is back in Cardiff for Bournemouth at home. Um, Tom, big test, Bournemouth. Uh, I've got a Bournemouth supporting fan. He said they looked very strong at the weekend, could have scored six or seven. Um, I think they won 3-0. Um, Scott Parker's obviously gone there and having a bit of an impact, taking over from Johnny Woodgate. Uh, what's your thoughts on Bournemouth? Have I, have I asked the wrong person again? No, 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 no. Bear on this one. Bit, you know, they've, got, well, they've got Brooks, haven't they? No, but like this, this is the first big test in terms of the teams are tipped to be at the top of the league. When you've got the likes of like Solanke, Brooks, you've still got Jefferson Lerma, you know, and you've got Gary Cahill moving like down to play with them as well. Mm. You know, it, it's going to be a tough test. But yeah, I, I think they've got weaknesses. I think this is the type of team where our shithousery of long throws um, may work for us. I think having a few big lads up top and sending up the cavalry will work in our favour in this game. I think they'll struggle. But also, they could cause us some serious issues if they do get down the side of us as well. So, I think there could be goals in this, which you don't often predict of Cardiff, but it could be quite a high-scoring game for both teams. What's, what's your XG for Cardiff, do you reckon? I reckon it'll be a good 2.4. 2.4. But uh, I reckon it'll the point- same for them. On, on the point about aerial bombardments, uh, my friend who is a Bournemouth supporting fan... Um, I don't know why I say it in such a weird way. Um, his name's James. I go watch Walthamstow games with him. Um, he says that he thinks that we could struggle under that aerial bombardment. Apart from Cahill, their defence isn't the tallest. I think Kelly alongside him isn't particularly tall. Um, Smith, uh, um, right back, looks a bit uh, bewildered. Um, is this the, the, the opportunity to really take the piss with the aerial bombardment? I think so, yeah. it's it's, it's If we're going to win, it screams a 1-0 shithouse victory, doesn't it? Whoa, that's different to what Tom says. He thinks there's goals. You think 1-0 shit has ah, victory? Change my mind, though. Change my mind. If, if, if there's going to be goals, it, I think there's only one. Look, 
there's only one team scoring them and it ain't going to be City. Um, yeah, they, they seem like a good side. If they click, I think we're either going to battle our... Um, Leeds. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> we're either going to battle hard and do, like sort of frustrate them or they're going to use their pace, get in behind us and have a fucking whale of a time. What was our record against um, Scott Parker's Fulham teams? Not good. Um, one win. So did we beat them at the, we beat them in the playoff game, didn't we? Yeah, beat them three two in the playoff game. Drew with them. I know we beat them when Arter got sent off, didn't we? No, we drew that game. That was one all. How did we draw bollocks? Because we lost down at Craven uh, Cottage, then. Yeah, oh, we wait. lost in the first really. leg of the playoff game. No, yeah. that's say we were quite close against them, which made me think that we had a way of playing against the Scott Parker side that could benefit us against the Bournemouth Scott Parker side. But um, yeah, they beat us 2-0 twice. We beat them 2-1 and we drew one all. So that's actually not so bad considering they were far and away probably the best team in the league that year. And our record against Bournemouth hasn't exactly been great. I remember them absolutely spanking us in Javi Guerra's first, <laughs> first on the last game for us with the Gabs in charge. In the oh, league God, cup. From there, they just like a team God, that a... don't do well for it. We don't do well against. Did we beat them last year though, didn't we? Twice? Beat them away. And beat them away. Drew a home. I'm pretty sure we beat them away 2 1. Um, this is really exciting. I'm looking at the results as we speak. Uh, I can't find the first result. Oh, we drew with them at home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, take it back. And we've done all right. Yeah, Ben. You don't know what you're fucking talking about, pal. They haven't got Matt beat them in, beat them in the so Premier League right. as well, didn't we? Beat them in the Premier League 2 0. 2 0. We haven't lost to them in three games, haven't we? Oh, there we go. Oh, fuck, we're going to win 5 0 then. There we go. That's more like it. That's more like it. Um, is a home game, Ben, the better game to start a more Harris Colwell three? Yeah, I think so. We seem to be a bit more attacking when we've um, when we're playing at home. We don't seem to be. I think sometimes Mick is of the belief that you know draw away when at home is the way to go, and I agree with that at times. But yeah, I think that's the way to go. And I think both young lads will they'll either feel. 100 feet tall, which in Colwell's case is not far off, or mm-hmm. um, sort of shrink with the anticipation of the crowd. But I think the fans and the canton getting behind them when they're full and sort of singing, I think will really do those boys wonders because they're both local lads. They both know what it means. They've been in and around the club long enough. They'll know what it means and they'll really get up for it. And I think, yeah, that play them at home is the way to go. But I don't think against Bournemouth's the game to do it because I don't think they're going to see much of the ball. <laughs> no, but... Also, Tom, is there is there an argument to be said that having them in there might be an opportunity to to try and play them with more of the ball? If we don't play them, we're going to lump it forward to keep more, no matter what we do. But if they're in there, surely there's the impetus to use them. Yes, yeah, suppose so. But I think I agree with um, other Ben. Um, with I think that it's the wrong. I think Bournemouth's the wrong game for it. I don't know why you're other Ben. That's too harsh. I just think I, fucking hell, yeah. it's just cold. <laughs> I just meant the, the Ben has spoke before. But yeah, I think Bournemouth's the wrong game for it. Um, but What's the right game for it then? Someone who's not got the attacking intent that um, and and you know the kind of firepower that Bournemouth have. I think we've got Middlesbrough on the twenty third of October. Yeah, something like that. Why not? I think Blackburn like, on the twenty fifth of September. You got you got to name a date, mate. Name a date. Them ones. <laughs> what you say? But I think second of October. Right, exactly. well. <laughs> but I think Bournemouth, you want to negate them, you want to, you want to I think absorb the pressure from them and and score that way. Um but yeah, I, I would like to see them going forward, but I thought yeah, I don't think that's the game for it. Right, prediction time. Uh two games, Coventry and Bournemouth. Um 
Ben, how many substitutions are going to be made in both games? Uh, two. Two in each game? Yeah. Uh, and Tom, how many yellow cards in the Bournemouth game? Oh, I reckon it'd be quite niggly. I think we'll get four bookings and I think they'll get two. And then, now seriously, now, who's how many points are we taking from these two games? I'd be buzzing with four. I think four off Buzz. those two games would be a great return. Tom? I was going to go four, yeah. I'll go four as well. We'll make it a clean sweep. That's a 4-4-4 four, four, four for the boys. Where are the four coming from? Uh, we're going to... <laughs> we're going to beat Coventry and draw with Bournemouth uh, I think the other way and Ben do you think it's actually going to be lose both games that we'll do them on the admin yeah <laughs> ineligible players <laughs> somehow I don't know like when you play Sunday League and you realise when the other teams just played uh, a bloke under a different name and you rep- you dob them into the league that generally happened with us once we played a team and they none of their players were registered and like um the league base we reported it to the league and the league basically said oh come on lads don't and we were and we were like no no we want those three points oh, and someone, in group, someone in a group chat was like let's do a motherfucking admin boys <laughs> it makes me laugh to this day um and that's it from another view from the ninian um if you like what we do you can go to our kofi p page kofi.com forward slash vft ninian you can give us some money because as much as we like doing this for free uh, it does cost us a little bit of money with licenses and uh, subscriptions um you can follow us on twitter twitter.com forward slash vft ninian uh, you can tweet us there if you ever want to hear your, your your opinions on the podcast if there's anything you've got to say to us um ben it's quarter past eight on a monday what are you doing for the rest of your evening Supposed to get another gym session in tonight, but um, I've got the kitchen to clean as well, so I might do that and then use that as an excuse to not go to the gym. If you clean it like really rapidly, you'll get some gains. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, I did make a stir fry and I did make a hell of a fucking mess, so there's a lot to do. There you go, mate. And Tom, any kitchens to clean uh, in your future? Uh, yeah, possibly, quite possibly. Um, yeah, a bit of pasta and Ted Lasso for me. Lovely, lovely night on the sofa. Oh, it's a good episode of Ted Lasso this week as well. Are all the episodes now on Apple TV? No, they're releasing it one per week, but this week's episode got me right in the chest. I need them um, all on there so I can do my free trial to make sure it's worth Two weeks left, I think, because we're on episode eight, and I think there's two more to come. All right, cool. Then free and trial. Like you, like you, Ben, because no one asked, I'm going to go cook a stir-fry. So, um... Oh, someone's getting a phone call. Right, we'll better go so you can answer that. Tom, maybe see you on Wednesday? Yeah, see you there. My message, should we put it on the pod? I'll freak her out. <laughs> ben, uh, enjoy cleaning the kitchen, mate. See you later. Right, nearly half time, pal. Your turn to get the ground round in. Off you go. No, you get this one in, mate, because I've got the beer sorted for later. What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one. You know that's not how the ground round works. Listen here, bud. How does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www beer52.com forward slash vftn and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced fresh as can be craft beers delivered right to your doorstep what i mean is i've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles what's the catch here now who are these people Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club each month they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? 
all you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN to get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five. That's www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN. Sound? Pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. <laughs>